The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of WSIC. All systems are a go. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your seats. Taking care of Iredell with North Carolina State Representative Jeff McNeely is about to begin in five, four, three, two, one. Good morning, Iredell County. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Hey, good to be back. I went loafing last week. I ain't going to lie. You know, it's getting hot. It's about that time, so I slipped off somewhere or another. That was even hotter. But it was all right. It was good to be away for a little bit. But it's also great to be back. Hope everybody's still out there listening. Uh, got John Hardister, representative from over in Guilford County, coming on the show this morning. Uh, and John's running for uh, labor commissioner. Josh Dobson, who's our labor commissioner now, that took uh, Cherry Berry's place, the lady you saw on the elevator for a bazillion years. Uh, now you see Josh's face. Well, he's only going to look like serve four years. Josh decided that uh, he needs to get home. And uh, he's talked it over with his wife, and Josh has done a great job so far, and, and we're, we're going to hate him not being there. But uh, we know there's other people running that are very qualified, and John Hardister's one of them. So we get to talk to John, second part of the show. Now, things are going to be a little tricky today, folks, because we've introduced some breaks. And, I, and so you just have to bear with me. I'm learning this. It's hard teaching an old dog new tricks. But we'll, we'll have a hard break at like 11.15. 11.30 and 11.45 for a community update and weather and whatnot. So just bear with us, and we'll go straight to the end of the hour. So um, if anybody would like to call in, 704-873-1400. Give us a holler. Love to hear from you. Missed you from last week. So hope you're still out there listening. Um, real quick, while I was gone, uh, I did get back down to Raleigh on Thursday uh, did some work, but uh, missed a vote on, on Wednesday, but didn't do a whole lot, uh, waiting to get enough people in. Just like myself, a lot of people are rotating in and out right now for different reasons. We've been in session since January. Some some are done surgery, some are done this, some are done that. It's, it's all over. But uh, uh, Roy Cooper vetoed more bills. I know. Everybody's shocked. I'll let you catch your breath for a second. He's only up to about probably 90 now. Maybe he's heading for the hundreds. He's wanting to get triple digits. Hey, you know, he keeps keeps this up. There's nobody will catch him, and nobody would want to. So uh, one of the three things that he did veto, uh, you know, really important bills to me, and I know to y'all too, um, is the Fairness in Women's Sports Act. That is HB 574. Uh, I'll try to get some of these bills up on my website, jeffmcneely.com, so you can go look. But you can always put in NCGA, and it'll pull up our website, and it'll have a bill look up, and you can do it by text, or you can remember these numbers. And this is House Bill 574. And basically what this is, this is where we're just going to have – Girls playing girls, guys playing guys. If we want to have a co-ed, that's fine, too. But we're not going to have guys playing in girls' sports. Um, and to me, I, I think this is just common-sense legislation. Uh, these ladies have worked hard, and we're not going to deny that there's a difference between men and women physically, and sports aren't always exactly fair, a lot of them. So it looks like we got a caller. All right, we're going to take it. Joe, go ahead and bring him on. Hey, this is Representative Jeff McNeely. Who we got? Hey, Jeff, this is William. How are you doing this morning? William, I'm doing good, sir. How are you? 
I'm glad to hear you had a good time off. You need now you need a vacation from your vacation. So I'm, so I've had people tell me. I had an old guy used to work for us. When we go on vacation, he come back and said, "You might as well take off three or four more days. You done got sorry." So that may be how it is. That's hopefully right. not. Hopefully not. Right. But uh, Roy Cooper, yeah, he keeps vetoing the, every sheet of paper that comes on his desk. But the, he did pass the or signed off on the law for busting these kids on the street takeover stuff. So at least he does have a little bit of common sense. Well, uh, we, we had a couple but, Democrats you know, push that, and that's why I he did it. Talk too loud. I shouldn't talk too loud about it. Back when I was that age, I used to race cars and everything, but we always did it in a secluded area, mm-hmm. and this is 35, 40 years ago, and there wasn't near the traffic on the road as there is now. Well, so, we always know, tried not to get caught. These people don't seem to care. Well, that, that was it. <laughs> that was it, you know. That was it. But anyway, I'm glad to see that he did it. They need to take their cars away from them and sell them and then use the money that they sell the cars with to, to uh, help keep them up while they're sitting on a cot with three hots, or excuse me, two hots, because Sheriff um, in this Iredale County doesn't give out three hots anymore. He just gives out two hots. Yeah, they're not doing a lot, so, so they don't need a lot of extra food. Well, but I, anyway, I talked to the governor um, in Canelias a couple weeks ago. And um, I thought it was the case, but I didn't know for sure. But he confirmed it. That I-77 toll road thing was was farmed out to a foreign company, Spain. And so we don't see any of the revenue that's collected off of that for tolls. That's right. And I thought I thought maybe that might be a help for you guys with these projects coming up with the Brawley School Road. Um, and the Highway 150 and all that, you know, that if, if we could have got some of that revenue that's gen- generated off of the I-77 toll roads, that might help towards that project. But that's sh- that's shot because we don't see any of that money. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole thing started under uh, really, well, easily, but then Bev Purdue, they, they just spent themselves broke. And, uh, and, and they couldn't even finish 485. And uh, so Centra come along and said, hey, we'll loan you the money to finish 485 if you'll let us do toll lanes on 77 that was in the planning. And so, you know, to get 485 done for Charlotte, everybody sold everybody else's soul. And so there you go. And, I mean, it's, it, it, this is pretty simple, just, just looking at what happened. Uh, North Carolina did a bad job, and that's one of the reasons the Democrats, after about 150 years, got voted out and the Republicans got voted in. People had just had enough of poor management. We're seeing it on the federal level. I hope they're sick and tired of that, too. So, Yeah, I agree with you, Jeff. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But I just, you know, I thought I'd throw that in there. But I'd like to say that the governor, he was he was, he was opposed to it. I mean, the mayor in Cornelius, he oh, yeah. was opposed to the toll road. I, I, he knew that they weren't going to see any of the money because right. of the fact that it had been out to a foreign company so yeah. we're we're paying all that money we're paying to that foreign company for them to come in here and do it when in my opinion they could have kept it in-house they could have kept local jobs yeah. for local people here to reconstruct that reconfigure i-77 and by the way that thing was behind times anyway it's been needing to be done 25 years ago you know where it was well that's but, the, like i said they, anyway. they continued to stay broke because they're spending all the money down east you can go down to the eastern part of the state, and there's there's six-lane highways to nothing everywhere. 
Uh, it just, you know. Yeah, in my travels over the years, I've been a truck driver for over 30 years, and I'll tell you what, it's a whole lot easier. Even with them opening up 485 in Charlotte, it's still easier to navigate around in Raleigh than it oh, is yeah. Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt, no doubt about it. Yeah, I was I was actually on the uh, I-77 uh, the tow lane commission trying to fix this problem with Woody Washburn down there from Cornelius. I figure it's Woody you're talking about. So uh, we tried and yeah. tried and tried. We met and met and didn't get anywhere. So hey, well, we, it is bordering two counties. You yeah. got Ardell County and Mecklenburg County coming in together there. So it would have been seated, I guess, between the two counties if it would have been kept local but still you know i just it was just an idea you know because there's a lot of money coming in or somebody's getting a lot of money off of them toll roads oh yeah yeah you know at peak times they charge three four five six dollars at peak times and you add that up with several people going through there i mean it adds up it does hey william we got a break coming so uh i'm learning my new situation but hey i appreciate you calling in you're right on the money sir I, I I sit there and I beat I beat that same dirt and couldn't get it done, but it is what it is. Hopefully someday we'll we'll get away with that toll. We'll buy it back. Well, good luck. We're behind you. We're trying to we're trying to stay supported of you, Jeff. Appreciate I, your work. I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. All right, we're going to break. We'll be right back after this. Okay. Hey, we're back. Learning this all out here. Hey, real quick, going to get back into what we were talking about. Call if you want to. We got a little bit of time till we go to the eleven thirty break. But uh, parents' bill of rights was also vetoed. That is Senate Bill forty nine. If you want to try to look that up, and that actually gave the parents a whole lot more uh, information about what's going on with their children, especially at their schools, and uh, it also gives the schools some right in our local school boards and school systems to dictate their curriculum and the literature they want to use. There's a lot of talk right now about books that don't seem to be fit for the right ages that are being pushed upon. So this is a chance for our local school board and school systems to go ahead and, and put in what they want. So hoping we're going to get that overrode and get that put into law. Parents' Bill of Rights real important. And then there's the uh, Gender Transition Minors uh, HB 808, uh, that one there basically is saying if, if you're not 18, unless there's some kind of critical emergency, we're not going to transition you yet. You need to wait till you're of age to make the decision yourself and have all the different options put in front of you. These are important bills. And I know a lot of people out there have a lot of emotions about this, but before we start doing surgeries, removing things, I think that we need to make sure that the child is cognizant, I can't say the word, is aware, how about that, is aware of all the things that are going to happen and the ramifications. And by 18, I pray they are. Uh, Real quick, Tim Scott, he's running for president. Uh, Tim's a good guy, South Carolina senator. Uh, He's ran an ad, and it seems to have really hit the mark and resonated, and, and I hope the Republican Party should try to relay this message heading into 24 and it goes pretty much like this if you're able body you work if you take out a loan you pay it back if you commit a violent crime you go to jail and if you're a man you should play sports against men america needs more victors and less victims 
I think that's exactly what we need to do in America. Well said, Tim Scott. Well said. Uh, some interesting things are going on right now in the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, they have passed a $886 billion defense bill. It's got a lot of stuff in it. It's about a 5% pay raise for our service people, which is great. Uh, also in it, though, it will not pay for uh, any abortion uh, activities, whether it be transportation or anything, to go get it if you're active military. We are doing that now. It will also not pay for transgender surgeries and hormone treatments. We are doing that now. It also is to eliminate DEI, and I'm not talking about Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. I'm talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, offices and personnel in the armed forces. So there's a lot of things. It'll go over to the Democrat-led Senate. I'm sure they'll rip a lot of things out. They'll try to come back and go into conference and try to work this out. But uh, I think the House has hit, it on the, hit the nail on the head, folks, in my opinion. These are not things that pertain to our national defense and our safety. These pertain to people that maybe enter into our military for an alternate reason other than to serve their country. Maybe it's for their country to provide different perks for them that they cannot do on their own. So I do not believe tax dollars, mine or anybody, should pay for these things. So I'm glad to see that this bill was passed by the House. We will see where it goes. It should be pretty interesting. Now, let's get into something even a little bit more interesting. More than 800,000 older college loan borrowers will get their student debt forgiven. Now, you remember the Supreme Court here the other day shot down the Biden administration's student loan forgiveness. That was about $430 billion worth of debt we were going to forgive. But we knew right off the get-go, before it ever started, and I said on this show, and everybody else has too, that it was unconstitutional, and the Supreme Court did their job and proved that it was. So now they're trying to work a backdoor method. This is from the Obama era that they've done to be able to forgive. Now, these are income-driven repayment plans, and most of them are over 20 years old. Matter of fact, I think it's if it's over 20 and you just got a four-year degree, uh, it will be forgiven. If it's over 25 years and you've got an advanced degree, uh, got a, a major in something. Uh, uh, so to me, you should be increasing in your salary as you go. I don't understand the income-driven repayment plan for what happens there is it allows you to obviously offset your income with buying automobiles, buying houses, having more children, acquiring more debt. Then it's looked at as you pay less. These people chose to go to college. They obviously chose the major they took. And I meant to say master's a second ago, but evidently a master's, maybe even a Ph.D. at 25. If by the time they are 47 years old, roughly, uh, 40, be 42 to 47 years old, somewhere in there, and they're not making the salary, they can go ahead and try to start making more payments on this. I question why they went to school. I question what's going on. I question some of their spending. Now, 
also in this understand that these same people that are going to be forgiven got credit for the time period, which was close to over two years, that no payments were forced to be made during the pandemic. So the last two years of their 20 uh, counts towards it, but didn't pay nothing. This is going to be about $39 billion that they're going to write off. I have a pretty tough time with this, even though it's only $39 billion. You love it how people say, oh, it's only $39 billion. Well, that's quite a bit. That's a lot, in my opinion. So now we're going to go ahead, and some of the crazy things in this is a lot of these people took on more debt during the time they didn't have to pay on their student loans. And that is leading also to some forgiveness. So when they didn't have to pay money on their student loans, they went and bought cars and borrowed money on them. Maybe bought some other stuff. Who knows? Whatever it is, though, it's affected their income. And so with that being said, they basically borrowed their way out of having to pay back something they borrowed. Unique. Only in America. Only in America can you do this. So I just find this uh, pretty hard to swallow, in my opinion, what we've got going on here. Uh, if you make a loan, you pay the loan back. That's the deal. That was the deal that you made with the bank. It doesn't matter if it's 20. doesn't matter if it's 25 years. Whatever the debt is, mortgages are 30 you pay the debt back. You don't expect somebody else to relieve you of this, the American public, the rest of us. Not with a $32 trillion national deficit. No, we don't do that. So, interesting times. Interesting times. Uh, Tucker Carlson is raising money to start a new media company. Stay tuned on this. It will be a conservative media. He's already doing podcasts, I understand. And right now, I think you can watch them on YouTube or trailers. I think you might have to do a subscription if you want to see more. But uh, Tucker's not disappeared, y'all. He's not on Fox, but he's not gone. So this should be an interesting time. Uh, We'll see how much money he raised. They say he's trying, going to have to take probably about 250 to $300 million to get this network off the ground, this media. So uh, interesting how this will work out. Uh, also want you to know that, once again, our, our beloved governor, Roy Cooper, is trying to do what we call a backtrack right now. He's wanting us, since we're slow on getting our budget resolved, and I'll admit we should be doing a faster job at it, but we're wanting to make sure we get it right. There's a tax package involved in this, and I think uh, we're seeing a too fast of an escalation of removing the amount of tax that you will pay. We're, we're going to work it down, but I think it's moving too fast, and we're going to have a deficit gap probably in 26, 27, 28 that we can project, pretty large one in the billions. And so we need to keep our triggers in, and the triggers are something that we call whenever something doesn't quite achieve. So if the economy goes into recession, that will trigger 
an event where we will not we will not proceed as fast on lowering the personal and income of corporation tax in North Carolina. Losing my voice a little bit. Luckily, we're getting close to the break. So uh, now Roy Cooper wants us to release Medicaid expansion from the budget because that's the way we passed it. It will not go into effect until the budget's into effect. And so now he wants us to release it so we can go ahead and get that into effect. Yeah. And then there's no way in the world we're going to get him to sign this budget. But, you know, this is all political rhetoric right now from Roy Cooper, which is pretty typical. And we're hearing pretty much the same rhetoric coming out of Josh Stein, who's wanting to try to follow him. But we hope that won't happen. I pray it won't happen because North Carolina can't stand for that to happen. So uh, we'll see how this goes in the primary. He might actually get challenged. Uh, we'll hope that will happen. Maybe uh, Josh Stein won't be the nominee from the Democratic Party, and I don't know who would be, but I can tell you right now, he's not our answer for sure. So we're getting ready to go to our break here at 11.30. Going to have Representative John Hardister come on, um, talk to us about him running for labor commissioner. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. All right. See ya. All right, folks, we're back with the show here. Let's see if we can get our guest to come up. Joe, bring him on. Hey, John Hardister, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? I got you, baby. I got you. All right, Representative John Hardister, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. It's Monday, and I'm getting my week off to a pretty good start. I can't complain. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. Hey, John, tell tell everybody, who are, who is John Hardister? Who are you? What do we need to know about you? Well, I'm from Guilford County, born and raised, and um, my background is in real estate development and worked for a mortgage company. Got a small business background. I was elected to the, the House of Representatives in 2012, so I'm currently in my, my sixth term in the House and um, serving as a majority whip. And then I announced uh, earlier this year that I'm running to be the next labor commissioner that's a big step right there that's a big step and you know it's his funny a good friend of ours who served with us josh dobson ran and uh i guess it was in uh in 20 and one uh and then i guess what now back at the first of the year six months ago five months ago he uh, come out and announced that uh he's not gonna run for 24 which kind of kind of surprised me i don't know if it did you or not yeah, it did, Jeff. It was I think it was a surprise to everybody. Um, but I understand why he's doing it. He said he wants to spend more time with his family and he lives a, a pretty long way from the state yeah. capitol, so he's on the road a lot and you know, I think he wants to do something different and he's done a great job. Um, but yeah, I think that that was a surprise to a lot of us. And and now some of your committees, I know the one I think you chair, you may chair another one I know, but I know universities universities and colleges you chair that so kind of have a lot to do with the unc system so i know you're very familiar with the struggles and the, the power struggles that happen in outside our college uh, unc system yeah yeah so the universities committee is uh, very important because you know we help oversee the the unc system there's 16 you know higher education campuses and, of course, lately we've had a lot of attention on the system related to the affirmative action ruling. And I'll be going to the Board of Governors meeting coming up this Wednesday 
to see what kind of protocols the staff is rolling out to ensure that they follow the Supreme Court ruling. And not to get too far off, because we want to talk about your run for labor commissioner, but I saw something where the uh, president of the UNC uh, Chapel Hills come out and basically said that uh, if you make less than $80,000 a year, your your family or uh, your, your parents or whatever, they're, they're going to offer free tuition to UNC Chapel Hill. And I thought, well, that's great. wonder where they're going to get the money or the funding to do that. And... Uh, <laughs> Has anything has anything been brought forth to us or to y'all, your committee, about this, or is this just a pie in the sky want? You know what? That's the multi-million dollar question right there. Yes, uh, the, multi. The, the problem is, yeah, we we don't really know at this time. And I've spoken with staff over at UNC Chapel Hill, and they said those funds are going to come from philanthropy and from existing funds. And when I asked for further detail, they didn't have it. Uh, so that's certainly a, a concern. Uh, and, and also I'll point out, too, that we have need-based scholarships in North Carolina that we fund in the General Assembly yeah. to help uh, lower-income families access higher education. So uh, it seemed like it was it was done in a way that was very hasty. And, uh, you know, it's concerning because at this time we don't know how it's going to be paid for. And uh, certainly our committee is going to try to get answers to that. Well, you know, I felt like it was kind of a, a knee-jerk reaction to the Supreme Court's decision because, you know, Carolina was singled out. It and Harvard. But, I mean, everybody else was involved in it, too. But those are the main two listed in the lawsuit uh, where they felt like there was some kind of, a you know, more issue with emissions at those schools and some of the other ones, but do know that it's been there before. And so, you know, when you're favor to one group, you obviously unfavor to another group. And you know where where's the even playing field at that's the question where's the even playing field at so i i'll be curious to figure out how we're going to do this you know we we actually reduced tuition at western carolina i think elizabeth city state maybe it was pembroke seemed like there might have been one other one there for a while because they were under tuition but we went about doing that legislatively we just didn't come up with free tuition if you made less than a certain amount uh, I kind of thought, like, this is interesting. So, okay, we'll see where that goes. Let's get back on what we really want to talk about. we got about five minutes, and we're going to take a little break and then come back and finish the show. We go right to uh, 12 o'clock today. So why in the world do you want to be labor commissioner other than you'd like to see your face in ele- every elevator in North Carolina? That's always the real reason. We know that. What's the <laughs> other one? Yeah, I get that, I get that question a lot, Jeff, but uh, it- Truth be told, it'll take me a long time to get used to seeing my, my picture in the elevator. In fact, I was on the elevator this morning and thought about that. Uh, it'd be a strange feeling. But the, the truth is, it's a very important position. You need someone in the office who understands business because that's what you deal with. You deal with workforce development, safety in the workplace, uh, inspections for not only elevators, but escalators, mines, boilers, quarries. Uh, H-2A housing, uh, you get that with your background in agriculture, mm-hmm. and also uh, amusement rides like the, uh, you know, what yeah. you just heard about uh, down in Carowind. Yeah. It, it really does. I mean, people don't realize how the Department of Labor touches their lives in so many different ways. And, and you know, everybody wants to say, well, uh, and you've heard talk about OSHA, which is your Occupational Safety Hazard Administration or agency. Um and everybody thinks that's federal, but it's actually it's state because the federal 
issues it out to the state to perform these inspections basically for them. So really, OSHA's state more department and the Department of Labor. So you've you've got those inspections, you know, that go all over. And if there's an accident or even before the accident, you know, out trying to make sure, be proactive that the workplace is safe. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, and that's really important. And you want to have inspectors that have common sense. You have to have a, a commissioner that has common sense and how we do that as conservatives. You don't want to overregulate, but at the same time, we want to keep people safe. And so you want to bring a, like a comprehensive, common-sense approach to doing that. And you want inspectors that are collaborative, that are there at the facility to you know, provide a you know, fair assessment and uh, you know, bring a common-sense approach to it, just like we've done in the General Assembly. The, uh, the conservative approach that we brought to um, you know, growing our economy and cutting taxes and being pro-business you need someone in the labor department who has that same mindset. Well, and, and I know with, with Cherry Berry and, and then uh, going on to, to uh, Josh Dobson, uh, that you know, one of the things that she always I, I always watch or beware of when somebody new takes over an agency after somebody's been there for a long time, they tend to want to expand it, grow it. Add, you know, we need more people. We need, and I'm sure just like every other uh, government department right now, your Department of Labor is understaffed. But I do know this under Josh, and I feel like this will happen with you also. You, you'll take what you have, and you'll manage it to the best of your abilities, and you'll get the job done. And, and, I, and I know that with watching you work some with the UNC system, trying to corral them in, because, you know, they, they kind of feel like they're their own entity, that they don't really answer to the legislature or anybody, but they do. And so, once again, you'll have to figure that out. And, and I have a lot of faith in you being able to do that. I, I think you have the skill set, John. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. And that, that's a good point. Uh, you, you need someone who can manage those funds efficiently. Uh, you know, I would never come to you in the General Assembly and ask for something, uh, in, you know, related to funding unless I felt like it was absolutely necessary. Another thing, too, that's really important about it is uh, we all remember how the governor shut the state down for mm. a very long period of time, yeah. right? You know, with shutting down schools and businesses. Uh, well, as you know, we changed the uh, law on that. So uh, for the governor to do that beyond 30 days, it, it has to go before the, the Council of State. And, and I can say categorically that I would not support, uh, you know, any effort to shut down businesses or certainly to shut our schools down, you know, after what we've experienced with the, you know, learning loss and the impact to our economy. Yep, yep. We, we're, we're wiser now than we were, uh, but I wish we were wiser then <laughs> and, and not allowed this to happen. But, you know, it took legislation, like you said, to to take some of the power out of the governor's hands. Nobody needed the, to have that much power. So we got to take a break right now. Just hold with me, John. We'll be back in about two seconds, two minutes, actually, and then we'll get you. All right, hold tight. All right, folks. We're back here with John Hardister, representative from over in Guilford County, and he's running for the Department of Labor Commission, Commissioner, so talking with him. John, you still with me? Yeah, man, I'm still here. You know, something that I, I think really started under uh, uh, Cherry Berry and, and, uh, and then Josh Dobson, like I said, has, has implemented it more. And, and me and you, we've kind of talked on this. You know, uh, the OSHA side of this, the Occupational Safety uh, at the Workplace, 
they, they started more proactive stuff where you can actually contact the Department of Labor, and they'll come in, and they'll review your place, not looking to fine you. Now, I guess if you're doing crazy crap, they might stop you, you know, but as long as, you know, if they, and, and they would come in, and they would assess your workplace and, and tell you some of the things that you need to fix. And I know we kind of talked about that, and I think you want to even expand on that program because, you know, you talked about wanting to be more proactive in this. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So uh, the department's done a great job under the leadership of uh, Commissioner Barry and now Dobson of, of being you know, proactive about those safety training protocols. They actually have have videos that you can access and uh, materials that they uh, that they put out that companies can access, and then like you said, they can bring inspectors in just for a visit, kind of a you know touch base kind of scenario to proactively figure out well what are some of the things that we could do and policies that we can you know put into place uh, for safety and reduce liabilities. A good example is what's happening in uh, Carowinds now with the roller coaster that was uh, damaged. Uh, you know, Commissioner Dobson is looking at that to figure out, well, how can we, you know, proactively help and what are some of the things that, uh, you know, the business can do so that they can self-inspect and try to catch things like that, you know, before something bad were to happen. You know, I got tickled. I, I saw the crack. They showed the crack on the news, and then they showed, like, a repair to it, and I swear it looked like they put duct tape on it. <laughs> So I don't think y'all passed that. I, I think then they had to shut it down. I don't think the I don't think the old duct tape trip uh, duct tape trick worked, yeah, which was really surprising. Yeah, I, because, I don't think that's going to cut it. Yeah, really surprised me because most of my business is held by held together by that and caulk, but not this season. Uh, but anyway, uh, so that didn't work out. Uh, but you know, uh, and, and I guess right now you can go on the NCDOL North Carolina Department of Labor website. And, and pull up these trainings and, and also get a lot of different things on there that are going to tell you. And, and I know you're big on technology and, and like that stuff because you're younger than me. I've watched you. You're, you're pretty good with it. So I'm sure you're one of your plans, and we kind of mentioned on that, you're going to probably enhance and try to expand their website and make it as user-friendly as possible because that's a lot of times what happens in, in our state. Our, our websites are not very user-friendly. Yeah, we, we're going to use the best IT experts that we can you know, access for that exact purpose of enhancing, you know, the uh, the website and the content on it, um, social media, things like that, and materials, uh, digital materials that, you know, businesses can access that are, that are helpful, you know, and keep the content updated. And also, you know, like I said, there's a whole lot of stuff going on that we don't realize that the Department of Labor does, and... and uh, I actually think that its role tends to keep expanding as our commerce changes. Uh, but, you know, safety is always at the issue, but also the employer and employee relationship and, and the ability to them communicate back and forth. And I know a lot of different times the Department of Labor has had to step in and help what we'll call negotiate. Uh, or on the negotiations to, to, to be that middle person, that mediator. And so I, I know that's going to be a challenge going forward, too. Uh, we see all these different ones. I think UPS is talking about doing a strike. We see the the Writers Guild. Now, that's not really affecting North Carolina, the Writers Guild and, and, and whatnot, and the actors. But yet, that's still things that seem to be coming to the forefront. You have a lot of different labor issues 
Uh, I know we've had a heck of a time with the dock workers on the West Coast, and they say there's been some grumbling on the East Coast, but luckily North Carolina's not a, a unionized state to a point, uh, but there is unions in here. We are still a right-to-work state. And I, I know that's one thing we've talked about, wanting to be able to keep that make sure that that doesn't get taken away. Because I think that's really important for business, uh, especially ones moving here. I think they, they enjoy that the right to work part in, in our uh, general statutes. Yeah, yeah, that, that's been very beneficial for us as far as recruiting more business and industry into uh, North Carolina, being a right to work state where you, you can't have unions, but you can't be compelled or forced to join or pay union dues. It, you know, it's a choice that the worker has to make and you're exactly right about as more industries come in uh there's going to be even more responsibilities for the department of labor like for example toyota is building a major battery manufacturing facility you know uh in guilford and randolph county and um that that's something department of labor is going to be very involved in and you know safety issues related to that and one other thing i did want to mention is uh workforce development yeah. The, uh, the labor commissioner sits on the board of the community college system, and I know you're you know big fan of uh, vocational yeah. uh, skills and trade skills and things like that. And Critical. That's something where you know the you know, the the labor commissioner can have a lot of influence on that as well. Yeah, that uh, you know to me, uh, our community college system uh, is. Uh, really, a, a just an unknown treasure to a point. We don't we don't really uh, tap into it as, and they're doing a great job. Don't get me wrong on that, but there, I think there's so much more we could use and do with it to help with workforce development. And, and you're exactly right. You know, we got ranked for the second year in a row, which I always think is kind of funny because I consider ourselves a conservative state. Maybe some people think we're purple. But uh, we got ranked for the second year row, number one, to do business in the whole United States. And so don't tell me people ain't going to see that and say, hmm, I think we may ought to look at North Carolina to relocate from the craziness in California or the, the taxes in New Jersey and New York or whatever. And so, so businesses are coming. Uh, and with that, we'll need more labor, whether it be homegrown or brought in or whatever. So... Now's the time that we really do need to make sure we have our community college system rolling and at, at 100% efficiency or as close as we can get that. You know, government, you'll never achieve that, but we hope to, we, that's our hope. So, yeah, you're exactly right. I think workforce is, is going to be critical, you know, going forward next, I don't know how many years, you can say 10, 20, 30, forever, forever. So, uh, yeah, knowing that you're involved in that, that's a good thing. And, and, you know, working with the universities, it also includes working with the community college side of it because they're, they're kind of hooked together arm in arm, in my opinion. Yeah, they, they really do. One thing that we want to do as well, this is part of our platform, is to have a task force that is formed by the Department of Labor where we have uh, members who are appointed who are from the private sector from all across the state who can provide input and feedback on what kind of you know, policies we could put in place to recruit businesses, to enhance our workforce. And then what we will do is we'll aggregate all that and then bring that to the, the General Assembly, you know, so you all can look at, you know, taking some action and have feedback that came from the various industries across the state. I don't, you know, that's, I think that's a great idea. 
uh, I think the more that you can get the uh, the private sector involved and hear the feedback from them, uh, the more that you can figure out where the real problems are. You know, I always say one of the biggest things with government is is we tend to look at something and we think about a problem in a totally different way, and 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 we usually don't always solve it. Sometimes we actually make it worse, and so having the input from private industry letting us know where they see the bottlenecks hopefully would give us a clue of where we need to go and work and fix. So I think that's going to be a great idea also. So I, I like the way that sounds. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the political side of the campaign. I know you've been traveling the state, going back and forth. Uh, do we have a website up? I'm sure we do, I bet you. What do we got? We got a website, Facebook, you name it, we got it. Yeah, all the all the above. So the website's johnharster.com. Right, John, J O N. That's what I was going to say. We need to make sure. Spell, spell your whole name because it's a little different from what people may say. Yeah, so uh, it's John, J O N, Hardister, H A R D I S T E R. Okay. So, so type that in and that you'll pull up the website, so johnharster.com, I guess, and Facebook, uh, John Hardister for Labor. Or how, how's, it, how's that yeah, time go? Go on, if you go on Facebook, you, you can search for John Hardister. It'll come up that way. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we've got our website. And if anyone has questions, we're, we're not hard to track down. All right. Well, cool. I, you know, I know you, you, we're off this week, kind of no votes. Uh, that doesn't mean we're still not working because God knows we do. But uh, we got any plans to travel across the state or get anywhere? Just going to try to get a, get a little I's dotted and T's crossed. Yeah, we're doing a lot of traveling, actually. I mean, we were just up in um, Buncombe County, uh, Transylvania County over the, the weekend. And uh, before that, we were down at the coast in uh, Brunswick and New Hanover and Craven. And uh, this weekend coming up, we're going to be in Davidson and Forsyth. That's and, so we're we're getting out there. I tell you what, it's a big state. It is a big state. Well, John, good luck with your run for labor commissioner. Appreciate all you do in the house. And uh, we're not going to get much done this week. It looks like I won't get to see you probably, but hopefully I'll get to see you next week. So be good. Uh, and if I can help you anyway, let me know. And folks, John Hardister for labor commissioner. So take a look. Go on the website. John, I appreciate you calling in. Thank you, sir. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, no problem. See you now. Bye. Take care. All right, dear. Uh, let's go ahead and go to prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for people willing to run. It's, it is a big state, and I pray you protect them and their families. pray you watch over us all and give us wisdom and guidance. I pray all this in your holy, precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Folks, see you next week. You've been listening to North Carolina Representative Jeff McNeely. Join Jeff again next Monday morning at 11.05 for Taking Care of Iredell on News Talk WSIC.